Welcome to the Cultivate for Good podcast, where Sal and Wendy will keep it real and break down common problems that aren't commonly discussed in the nonprofit world. I am your host, Megan Shelley. Look me up on LinkedIn and feel free to connect if you'd like to chat. Special thanks to our sponsor, the Central Virginia Business Coalition, who's dedicated to promoting business in Central Virginia. Members enjoy networking, marketing, and promotional benefits all at low annual rates. Visit cvabc.org to learn more. A special thanks to our sponsor at Dot Drives. Dot Drives is the simplest way to build and manage donor relationships. The software built for fundraisers by fundraisers helps you cultivate donor relationships and raise more money. If your brown profit needs to get all your donor information into one place, or you're tired of overpaying for complex software that nobody actually wants to use, check them out at dotdrives.com. That's D-O-T-D-R-I-V-E-S.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Cultivate for Good podcast with Sal and Wendy. I'm Megan, and I'm here recording with Sal and Wendy, sort of in the flesh. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about donor-centric organizations, what they are, how you can make one, and the practical tips, of course. So let's start off with uh, Wendy, since that's sort of what she does every day. Uh, Would you define donor-centric organizations for us? Well... I'm going to take a page out of Sal's book and make sure that we pause and say hello Hello. to everyone. Megan, it is great to have you in studio with us today. Yeah, that's that's a change of pace. Yeah, not having you just on the screen. Although she's not on camera. She hasn't been elevated to that status yet. Well, no, not yet. But Zach could take care of that. Anyway, let's let's stay focused. You have something to work towards, Megan. We'll just leave it there. Exactly. Um, I do like your pop of color, by the way. Yeah, I'm like. I was wondering if you were going to notice. I've noticed it. All right, all right. How are things with you? Things are great. Things are great. It's we're meeting midweek. Usually we meet on a Friday, so like. I'm in a little bit of a different mindset, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're getting close to Christmas. Yes. It's hard to believe that's right around the corner. Agreed. Um, busy in the donor world, as most could imagine. Those uh, in our audience that are nonprofit leaders know this is a busy time of year. It is. It is a busy time. And, and what a great way to be able to segue into Megan's question as far as it's such a busy time for us. How does that play out for our donors? How do they feel about this time? And I, I do, I've started to ask that question more so and wait around for the answer because I think that that's also going to speak into donor-centric. I think we formulated as, as development leaders what being a donor means, and, and hopefully for most of us, we are donors ourselves, but what does it mean for our donors certain times of the year, when they receive you know invitations from us, when they see our number pop up up on their phone, what does it mean for them? Have we already defined it or have we actually asked the question and stuck around for the answer? To me, that is what makes an organization or leadership donor-centric is we truly want to hear from the donor, wait for the answer, and then respond. That makes a lot of sense. Do we, as you were talking, I was thinking, do we build our behaviors in regards to being donor centric uh, as a result of like just doing it for a long time. Cause yeah. I was thinking about, you know, as we enter the Christmas season, mm-hmm. what's been my approach, what's been my, my central message. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't really think about something that has like some recent feedback, mm-hmm. but I've been basing my approach on 
years. Yes. Years of, okay, now we're into the, the Christmas season. We're getting towards year end. W- what type of message, you know, do I want to get out? Uh, I hope that's still donor centric, but it's, this is, this is making me think a little like, I think it pushes up against that. And, and I think that you and I are in good company um, when we say, well, here's the protocol. Here's the next best practice. When, when was the last time we actually asked the donor? They, they're as human as you and I, and life is changing um, on a daily. When was the last time that we asked them, is it really what's best? Is that the best way to communicate with you? Is that the best way for us to engage? And so I know that for myself and my team, one of the things that we're stepping into intentionally is, and we use these quite often, this is not a new fandangle, but a survey, but the way that we are positioning the questions and even positioning the way that they can respond. So not just mailing it back or going through email, we're actually putting together focus groups. Again, nothing that's new under the sun, but making sure that we give time to pause to really hear from the answer before we just act upon and be ready and prepared to hear things that we don't want to hear. That's yeah, that's a great answer. And before we got on Mike, we were having a little bit of a sidebar conversation yeah. around this. Um, and you know, you, you brought up a great point about, you know, some of what you hear from donors, which is they wanting you uh, to experience the holidays yes. and not be so caught up in the the madness of, you know, I, I, I've got to be pressing hard. I got to be pressing hard. This is year end. And I hadn't really thought of that. I really hadn't thought of that. So that was, that was very insightful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Megan, I hope that that brings to a point of the definition of, you know, being donor centric, but, but really starting to see that in a practical sense. So maybe jumping to your last question already. As a matter of fact, now that you've defined it, I was kind of interested to hear about the pros and cons because, yes, building a donor-centric organization is a great thing. But like everything, there's always positives and negatives to it. So uh, let's switch over to Sal to start for this time. How would you sort of say, like, where are the positives to having a donor-centric organization or and maybe where are some of those drawbacks? Well, I think – let me start with the drawback. Mm. So one of the drawbacks could be, you know, it is difficult to accommodate every, every scenario. Absolutely. Not that we wouldn't want to in a perfect world. Dare I say impossible. <laughs> Dare you say it. But resources are limited. Absolutely. So, so what might be the preference of one donor and we would want to be donor centric with that donor, yes. like they be the center of our uh, approach, our focus, our behavior. Um, may be very different for another donor. And and so resources uh, to answer Megan's question, some of this is dependent on your resources. Mm-hmm. It's um, that could govern how much uh, you can be donor centric. Uh, now, I, we'd have to unpack that a lot more because obviously there's the concept, the culture, the, the, the character of being donor-centric, right? Like you, you're striving towards that as an ideal. But getting there is, isn't something that could, uh, can just necessarily happen with every donor. A- absolutely. I, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say you made the point of, you know, we can't do 
just continuously shift for every individual. But have we found ourselves as an organization, this is the way we've always done it. So it's that culture of it's not about what the organization says is it. It really is bringing the donor into the conversation. You've mentioned this before, as an investor, mm-hmm. as an owner, as a, as a part of the DNA of the organization, so that there can be conversation around, even as we step out and through the mission, how they're receiving right. what we're sending their way, how right. we're communicating. So they agree with, we've, with their donation, they're saying I agree with, but then how they, get, how they receive the impact how they receive the, um, how to, to, to move forward next. Do they agree with that? Do they have thoughts? Do we give them a place and a space to even speak those thoughts out? Because if the avenue isn't there to respond back to us, but only give us your money, that's not donor-centric. Yeah, I love what you said, the space. The word that just kept coming to my mind was communication. Yeah, A lot of, I think, the most practical way you can approach donor centric behavior is by communicating with those donors and, and doing that consistently and regularly and, and listening because you, actively, actively. <laughs> and, and that could even be reading between the lines yes. of a response to an email or, or something along, you know, those lines. Yes. Um, so I think, regular communication is key to being donor centric. Yeah. I think that because that could be very uh, subtle in some ways, it might not be asking them like through the focus groups, like what, what are the behaviors that you most like? That's, that's pretty direct and you might get some good responses, but again, subtly, if you're communicating regularly, regularly enough with that person, you're going to know going to come forth what, what, what tends to resonate with them. I often think about it from a donor giving perspective. I've noticed this now being in the field over a decade, there are certain donors that they have to see it. Yes. Right. So you see what I mean? So in their like central world of giving, it has to be visible to them. They, it can't just be a message. It can't be a, a, an appeal. Yeah. They have to see it, you know, smell it, maybe touch it. And then when they really identify, yes, this is a need, they're all in. And, and you know, they're, they're, they're giving everything towards that goal. Um, other donors, they don't care to see anything. You know, it's a totally different um, way that they respond to an ask or to a need. Absolutely. And to your point, you don't know those differences between donor A and donor B until you have that communication regularly, until you have that open space for them to, like you said, in conversation, share those things. They're going to speak it out without even having to be asked a question. But if the only thing they receive is what's in the mail and no one on the other end to dialogue with. So good. Then you don't get it. So the dialogue, you nailed it. It's communication. It's that genuine dialogue. It's being consistent. I I think that's the first and probably the most important step to being donor centric. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. 
You know, building off that last one, talking about the pros and cons and how you build them up, if like back to the practical, of course, if you are going to help somebody transition their organization into something that's more donor centric, how would you advise them to do that? Obviously, they would need to start pretty small, you know, take baby steps. But what what kind of practical tips could you provide for somebody looking to make that initial step forward? Well, I think for me, one of the it challenges that I've seen, I've had the opportunity to work with several um, nonprofit organizations over a decade, and and then interacting with colleagues, is that we have to, and this has come out in, the, in our past um, podcasts, to be humble, to be humble enough to look and see our, you know, what are we doing? Is it the best? Have we communicated and dialogued well? So let's do an assessment of where we are to then recognize where we can and should be moving forward. So I think for me that that's what I've recognized as a good, right, first step. Um, and even as I had, you know, was preparing for, for my CFRE, CFRE, everything that kept coming back to was, do you as a leader within the organization know what your mission and your vision is clearly and can you speak that out? It comes back to that's the vein that we walk everything through as leaders within and internally, and then how that's spoken out externally with our volunteers and our donors. Um, and I think that that we can go so off course that we're doing things and look over. And if we are honest and have that time together and put it all on the table, what we're speaking out doesn't match with the vision. Mm. It doesn't match the mission. Now, wonder it's not resonating well because it's confusing and we have to be willing to say, man, we've gotten off course. So that's that humility piece right off the bat. That's what allows us, if we're talking to be donor centric, you know, and, or, or if we're in a church, you know, for congregation centric, people centric, it means I've got to step back and do that assessment of. So I think that that, that would be my first practical step. Yeah, I would add to that. That's a great response. I would add to that, um, again, looking at things through a very practical lens. Mm. So we've talked about some of these data points in previous episodes, but in many nonprofits, the vast majority of funds, so I'm going to try to answer this a little bit specifically, Megan, the majority of funds come from a very small portion of giving units. Now that's a term I've might've thrown out there before, but giving units cover that could be individuals, Mm -hmm. households, could be churches, could be foundations, could be businesses, businesses and or other organizations. So there's a lot of different giving units, but in many cases, if you were to look at an organization and where the majority of their funding source comes from, it's going to come from a concentrated group. So here's where the practical approach comes in. Look at that concentrated group and determine how can we manage those relationships? What tools do we need to keep those relationships healthy? And again, having been in this over a decade, I think you can solve that problem. Not Perfectly. No. You know, there's always going to be a margin there. Um, but you can you can find that right mix to answer Megan's question. There is a mix. And so sometimes it, it, it comes back to, as you started, that evaluation, that humility, that looking at things. Um, and one of those things you have to look at is, who are your donors? I mean, 
does it make a lot of sense if year after year, a hundred people are providing, you know, 90% of your budget through their giving, does it make sense to, um, and you can manage high quality relationships with those hundred people. Does it make sense to run down this other path because everybody's doing it possibly and, and, uh, you know, start, um, I don't know, using some, some new transactional means to communicate or everybody with everybody. You know, I always use this example of, um, when I started with sports outreach Institute, there was this massive wave to get away from mailing. Yes. Massive wave. And, you know, I was looking at the data and I'm looking at how our income is coming in and everybody was on this, this, this tangent of, well, everybody's digital gonna, only digital only. You, you remember that? Yes. Uh, if, if you're not doing it by email, you're a dinosaur. Well, you know what? Some of those organizations that went all the way over to, to, to email, they became dinosaurs and they died because they cut off the most fundamental means of communication with their existing donor base. Well, because it wasn't about what the donor right. needed. Back to the topic. Yes. It wasn't donor-centric. It wasn't a donor-driven decision at it that point. It wasn't. So good. So we went back to that. But to answer the question, it is, Take some, just take a practical lens to this and say, what am I trying to achieve? And then build some processes and tools to help achieve that goal. Absolutely. That would be, that Absolutely. Would be what I could add to that. No, I, that's a great, that's a great add on. That's great. Thanks guys so much for uh, contributing. I just kind of want to ask one last question uh, about sort of forecasting for the future, because mm-hmm. as you were saying, you know, a lot of businesses will decide digital only because that's where the revenue seems to be. And then they turn into dinosaurs and they die out. They're not able to be flexible or, you know, that word again, pivot, right? Yes. They're not able to transition correctly. So looking forward, what do you think that donor centric organizations need to keep an eye out on? What do you think will be coming in the future? Obviously some things will stay the same but what do you think they need to uh, be mindful of well I think they need to um, not necessarily try to fix everything if it isn't broke (laughs) so just don't get caught up in in the whole whirlwind of something is new so it must be you know the silver bullet now we certainly have to change with the times we've talked about that as well I think it's keeping a, a healthy balance in terms of how you migrate into new things and making sure that what you're doing is still in line with what you understand the donor's uh, approach or needs or preferences are. And not just, um, again, looking for a simple, quick fix solution to things. Well, I think you, you said it really well, and I just finish it up with this, and, and hopefully it's a good compliment. Nothing that we are doing, no matter the organization we're talking about, is a quick fix. The issues that we're talking about didn't come about overnight, and they're not going to be addressed overnight. So recognizing we've got to put that time in. With that being said, that lens of innovation. So don't close off to, and again, fall into, this is how we've always done it, and right. there'll be no more. The flip side of that is just as dangerous. Don't hold on to anything. Just wait for the next new train that pulls into the station and jump on that. So it is that balance and recognizing that innovation is is always going to be there as an opportunity and we should harness it 
don't let go of the lens of this is tried and true. This is a best practice. Because if you look at those things that even have come about in our industry and others that have been innovative, they're still tied to truth. They're still tied to those basic principles. It's just a new way of presenting it, speaking about it, and who interaction and interacts and engages with it. And I think that no different than we're talking about that our donor centric mindset, um, bringing our donors along. Some are going to be the ones who bring the innovation to us. Others are going to say, mm, how's that really going to work? That they're a part of the dialogue mm-hmm. is what's going to make the difference. Yeah. And I would just add one other thing, you know, I certainly technology helps with exposure. Mm. Wow. Like, yes. you know, what you can do and how many individuals that you can expose to your mission and your vision. That's wonderful. Fully embrace all of that. But what we've always said is it's back to relationship and you're only going to make things so efficient. You could, you know, you're not going to make having coffee or lunch or a phone call, uh, which is when most meaningful exchanges take place. You're, you're not going to efficiency that away No. so you know understanding that there's great strides being made with technology and we have to change with those and and benefit from those but most donors and especially i'm just telling you the way it is donors that give substantially or consistently they're usually going to require some meaningful engagement absolutely as they should as they, As they should. should. There well, you that it. was really great, guys. Thank you so much. I feel like I learned a lot from this. Uh, I hope other people have as well. But I really appreciate you sitting down to chat with me a little bit more. Well, thanks again, Megan, for the opportunity. I hope that it is resonating well with our listeners and viewers. And Merry Christmas to all. Yeah, we won't be back in studio to after Christmas. So Merry Christmas and thanks to Zach in the studio. 